Alright, so welcome to Dumpster Pizza Party, the official podcast of Dumpster Pizza Press. <laughs> uh, a podcast about uh, DIY, art, music, and everything in between. Uh, we are recording here today at, uh, at Milk Toast Bar, and we apologize for the uh, background noise. There's some, some nice uh, power washing going, going by on this holiday weekend. Gotta, gotta get out there and power wash. Uh, I am your host, Craig E. Ross, the hostess with the mostess, and today I am joined by special guests, Alex Billet and Adam Turrell, uh, editors of Red Wedge Magazine. As, as some of the fans may know, I'm also an editor of Red Wedge Magazine, but I wanted to... Alex is in town from Chicago. Uh, Adam hails from uh, Saint, uh, Carbonell, Illinois, originally, and currently lives in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and yeah, so I wanted to get out, get them out here on the show, talk about what we got going on for Red Wedge Magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so Alex, if we could start off. I mean, the the, the the big first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. This is fun. Uh, yeah, and uh, hopefully it will continue to be fun. But the big uh, the big news is that uh, Red Wedge after. Uh, five years as a website and sporadic yearly journal is going to be going quarterly. Uh, Red Wedge is, as people may know, listeners of the show, if they you know if they know Craig, then they probably know this. Red Wedge is a it's a Marxist journal uh, and website that's dedicated to a radical revolutionary socialist understanding of the arts, music, poetry, mm-hmm. literature, performance, all of that, and we we particularly. Um, stump for a notion that we call, as well as other people call, we didn't originate the concept of the popular avant-garde, of, of art that is experimental but still is informed by popular concerns and, uh, and concerns of working and oppressed people. And uh, we're really excited for it to be going quarterly because we're kind of in the midst of this sort of revitalization in the U.S. anyway mm-hmm. um, and other English-speaking countries, but particularly in the U.S. of far-left uh, including socialist uh, publications that are coming around. I mean, Jacobin has exploded yeah. uh, in recent years. It's been really, uh, really wonderful to see that journal take off the way it has. We have the New Inquiry. We have N Plus One. We have uh, we have the beginnings of Catalyst, which is also a Jacobin publication. Africa is a country. Looks like it's going to be going into print sometime soon. Uh, Salvage, which is one of our favorites at Red Wedge, or one of my favorites. I know Adam, one of Adam's favorites, too. Uh, and there's just this really kind of explosion in hunger uh, for left-wing ideas. Uh, and we think that that deserves to have a, an explicitly artistic edge to mm-hmm. it. Uh, so, after five years of sort of kicking around and uh, experimenting and figuring out what's going to work for us, uh, we're really thrilled for Red Wedge to be going um, to be going quarterly, to be yeah. up, upping its game, to sort of stepping up a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so that's going to be starting with our third issue in uh, in July, just around the corner. We're you know starting to lay out all the articles in the print publication, and uh, so we're really thrilled to be uh, thrilled to be uh, and, for it to be stepping up like this. So. And uh, and what is the what is the the theme of this next issue coming out? Go ahead. Well, the theme is. Uh, the return of the crowd. So, uh, basically, the return of mass politics after a period of decades in which, basically, neoliberalism held that political 
the political space is very small and narrow, and the most things should be automatically decided by the free market. And the corollary to that in culture was this sort of decentered postmodern pastiche or whatever. So after several decades of that neoliberal consensus, um, there's a breaking down of it because it's not working for the majority of people, yeah. um, particularly in countries like the United States. And so there's a turn to mass politics, but it isn't necessarily automatically translate into socialist politics. There's also reactionary mass politics, which we saw obviously with Brexit, with the Trump administration, with the, you know, the Le Pen uh, presidential campaign in France mm -hmm. and so on. So one of the things we wanted to do is sort of unpack those, uh, the, what the return of the crowd meant aesthetically and politically at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the content, we think, really reflects a lot of that. We're really thrilled for... I mean, obviously our editorial is going to be on the uh, on the, uh, the overarching theme of the issue, but we're really, really thrilled to have someone like Neil Davidson writing for it. I mean, Neil Davidson is a... He's, he's, he's an Isaac Deutscher Prize-winning uh, Marxist historian and author, uh, you know, who wrote, I mean, uh, what I consider to be one of the most impressive large books of the past decade yeah uh, you know how how revolutionary were the bourgeois revolutions as well as so many other uh, books uh, um, um, <clears throat> over the past several years uh, and just an excellent activist and writer and scholar we're thrilled to have him uh, sort of writing on the theme of what how Marxism has related to modernism and how does modernism how, how does mass politics impact uh, impact uh, Modernism, particularly if we're talking about coming out of the sort of post-post-modernist period that we're mm -hmm. coming out. Modernism of. in terms yeah. of art, not modernism in terms of philosophy or yeah. the other thousand definitions of modernism. Modernism in terms of art. So okay. He talks about uh, Lukacs and his arguments towards Georg realism. Lukács, the, yeah, yeah and then of course, the Hungarian Marxist philosopher. All right. Yeah. Well, and people don't know that maybe they yeah, should know. Well, maybe they can Google it. It's the future. What, are you going off on this it's not our job to educate you type bullshit now? Google oh, it is it. our job to educate people <laughs> yes, as exactly. much as anybody else, but still, <laughs> explaining every single thing gets tedious sometimes. Yeah, all right, all right, I grant you that. Anyway, Plus, continue. especially when I'm in the middle of my sentence, when I was about to say, and his relationship to the American art critic and former Marxist Clement Greenberg, <laughs> who was like uh, the main pioneer of, uh, or the main sort of thinker, along with Harold Rosenberg, uh, surrounding American abstract expressionism. Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. And he also touches on how it sort of uses uh, the figure of Leon Trotsky, the, the Russian revolutionary, obviously, to sort of tie the two together and actually mm -hmm. to sort of show how these divergent paths actually kind of kind of touch on each other vis-a-vis -vis the figure of Trotsky. Uh, I'm also really excited for our interview with the band Algiers. Definitely. Uh, you know, this is a group who come, in, come out of uh, New York and... Uh, well, several places actually. New York via London. Uh, one of their members lives in London. Another one of their members lives in New York. Yeah. They all kind of come through Atlanta, except for their drummer, who's uh, from London originally, I believe. But you know, th these are. This is great, very explicitly revolutionary music mm -hmm. that isn't just about, you know, sloganeering over the same three chords as so many of us are used to right. with uh, with uh, you know. Uh, music that brands itself as revolutionary. It's experimental. Yeah. It it layers cough, in. Rage against the machine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, twenty years ago they were they, they actually had a real you know rage against the anyway. I'm not going to go. I, on I, I had several rage. I used to drive oh, yeah. around. Listening. Yeah, right. I was no. a big rage against the machine. Yeah, exactly. Like, I cover up. Fuck the police. Was great. Exactly. Yeah. I still really yeah, like. Really uh, was, yeah. I feel like out of this is kind of going off context, but like 
Zach De La Roca still does some like interesting things, like on his yeah, the own, stuff separate that he from does, Rage. Yeah, yeah, is actually very yeah. interesting. Like he, he just did a single with LP actually that was really oh, yeah. really yeah, he's he's been solidly on, uh, good. Man. Yeah, he's yeah. he's been on um, some he's of the run of the jewels. jewels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. One day as a lion was actually really good. Mm-hmm. I it was agree. the drummer agree, of Mars yeah. Volta and Zach De La Roca. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's where it gets cheesy. Is like Tom Morello, who I have a lot of respect for, mm-hmm. like that street swipers thing, like, street sweeper social club, which the, I love. Boots yeah. Riley, but that was yeah. like not his best project. No, it, was it really just, wasn't. It really wasn't. And th- there's a sense I think with the stuff that Morello was doing. This is true of Prophets of Rage also. And this oh is, yeah, this is yeah. this is not yeah. meant to. This is not meant to talk down to. Uh, some of this stuff because I actually have a lot of respect for Morello. I've interviewed him twice and he's an incredibly sharp cat but there's something I think about the sort of Prophets of Rage thing where it's trying to rehash and recreate something whose time has passed. The, yeah, the 90s um, and the late 90s. 80s militancy. Yeah, because in, in, the, in the early 90s Rage Against the Machine particularly mixing Zach's rhymes with uh, the guitar work of Tom Morello it sounded like the moment of the global justice movement the yeah. um, the Zapatistas the struggle around Mumia it sounded like the moment and it just right now it feels like it's trying very hard to jump into step with the moment we're in right now but it doesn't yeah. quite quite fit yeah. and I think one of the things about a band like Algiers mm-hmm. um, and this isn't it's unfair to compare Rage Against a Machine or any of those projects to Algiers it really is so I'm, I don't want to come off as, as if we're doing the Algiers is quote better it's a subjective thing what I think makes them more uh, relevant and more timely however mm-hmm. is this sort of mishmash of post-punk industrial mixed with gospel and soul music Interesting. It, it, it sounds like the, it sounds like history essentially trying to revive itself and restart itself I think um, that yeah. I think this is related to a problem that <laughs> the moment is both more apocalyptic and more utopian mm-hmm. than it was mm-hmm. in the 1990s. Uh huh. So in the 1990s, people wouldn't they talk about anti-capitalism maybe or whatever, but they tended to hide their socialism or yeah. anarcho-cynicalism mm-hmm. a bit. Um, there was a sense that you had to like temporize what your ultimate goal, and that sense is gone. So that, that, that therefore things are more utopian that you don't have to temporize your ultimate goal. At least yeah. you're talking abstractly about it. But at the same time, things are much much worse. Yeah. So it's more yeah. apocalyptic, and those things are related. Mm-hmm. The reason you, it's unfathomable to like, not be a socialist or you know for the younger generation or so on or an anarchist, um, yeah. is yeah. because things are so incredibly fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you can't in the '90s. You could still you know work a couple part times if you're white anyway. Work yeah. a couple part time yeah. jobs. Be a you know be a hipster or whatever, and have a have an existence if you didn't have kids or parents to take care of or something. Yeah, yeah. These things, the, the the nature of the economy and 15 years of war and racism, uh, climate accelerating disaster, climate disaster, just, yeah. has precluded that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a sense that I think, uh, I, I was speaking to, to one of you about this, or maybe both of you about this a few days ago, but another one of our editors that we work with at Red Wedge uh, actually termed this sort of feeling that most young people can't shake right now which is this feeling of existential displacement that even if you somehow yeah yeah, even if you somehow manage to land yourself a 40 hour a week job right out of college which is very difficult and increasingly rare nowadays yeah even if you manage to find a way to land yourself that and it has benefits it has um pto paid time off and things like that it still is it still feels as if the other shoe could drop 
at any moment. Yeah. It could be it could be a massive climate disaster that floods your city. Don't let the smoking gun be a mushroom cloud. What's that? No, yeah. Oh God. It could be. And, and it, it but could, those, the young people heard that when they were like five. Right. Exactly. You know, like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it, it's it's this sense that no matter how good as a working class person you are able to get. Yeah, no matter how good you were able to, how much you were able to build your own life up, the rug could very feasibly um, be pulled out from you. Yeah, pulled out from under you at any moment, and that's yeah. that no longer feels like Chicken Little. Yeah, because the sky literally is falling some of the time, and so to be able to capture that—that's really what's behind, I think, a lot of the Sanders phenomenon. It's what's behind the Corbyn phenomenon in Britain right now, um, and we need an aesthetic language an artistic language that captures that that gives us a sense that can skate the skate the very fine line between despair and hope yeah. that's being molded right now and is being informed by a new very crude and very contradictory mass politics that has come about right now yeah um, so so I, and we're hoping that this third issue can really um, can really skate that line and help flesh out what that aesthetic strategy and language can look like. Poetry by Sonny Hutton and Mike Lineweaver. We have some fantastic artists that are contributing to the issue. Howard uh, Berry from St. Louis. Yeah, Howard Berry oh, nice. from St. Louis. Laura Fair Schultz. Uh, very eclectic. Um, yeah, a, a, a great approach. That we, well, several different approaches, really, that we hope can help flesh out or maybe maybe just suggest some different ways that artists can approach the moment uh, artistically right now. Yeah. And how activists, conversely, radical activists, can approach the world aesthetically or approach aesthetics. Um, because that's going to be important right now. If you don't believe me, uh, look at the way that the far right actually understands culture and aesthetics right now. They're incredibly savvy. And I think yeah. we need to up our game right now. Um, yeah. So, you know, people, people like, I mean, Richard Spencer, the uh, yeah. Nazi slash punching bag uh, <laughs> of, of the United States right now, like sort of the, the figurehead of the alt-right, his his thesis or dissertation was was on Adorno, was on Theodore really? Adorno, the Marxist, yeah, the Marxist I didn't know that. philosopher. He understands these things. He understands media and culture. He just and, uses them to... And he uses them for, well, really the opposite ends of, yeah. you know... Um, of uh, anyone around the Frankfurt School, or it's like the whole yeah. like art of war, know your enemy type thing, where he actually like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Un understands the theory behind it, so that he can. I think that's a good way to put it. I think it's a good way to put it. He understands the movement of culture uh, in a way that most of the this left, because it is so young and because it is only just starting to re cobble itself together. Yeah, um, is only just starting to really grasp, and we want to help maybe. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, it's it, it's interesting to me uh, aesthetically too, where like the the fascists and the right are willing to like co-opt anything mm -hmm. and take it to be their symbolic language, like yeah. like Pepe the Frog, who's this innocent meme created by a cartoonist, yeah. is yeah. like is like taken as this like white supremacist icon, whereas like the left, any symbolic language that is touched by the right is like then considered untouchable and is mm -hmm. like dropped and like you can have it like you can have this symbolic well, language we need, we need to rebuild a mythology for the left yeah um, I'm not sure I think it's entirely because it's a new left I, think I don't know who is what oh food uh, blue cheese oh that's you 
Milk toast. Milk toast. I had one. Yeah, milk toast. Yeah. And cool. Then it's got an avocado. That's coming for me. Yep. Okay. We get uh, Thank you. Silver, oh, silver rice coming too. Great. Oh, Sweet. Nice. Awesome. Avocados right here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Some more coffee by any chance. Yeah, cool. Thanks, man. Cool. Shout Ready? outs to Milk Toast for the amazing food mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and service. Mm -hmm. Yep. Milk Toast is good. We'll see how this. So what I was going. Mm -hmm. So what I was going to say was, I don't think it's just because um, the left is new. It's also because of the politics of the left that collapsed. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So there can be a tendency, you know, I think socialist organizations are mostly a good thing, but there can be a tendency if you have like an overly orthodox way of viewing everything. Mm -hmm. And you like, thanks, Brett. Thanks. And you were like, you have to sort of double check your orthodoxy against cultural developments that it can really hinder the development of the kind of mythology you need to animate a new left. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. The worst thing coming from the newer left, I think, is uh, is the extent to which a language of privilege has replaced a language of solidarity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, a language of a co internalizing of, of petty bourgeois co competition because of job tenure going down, because of unions being destroyed, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and because of the continued ongoing existence of racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, you know, gender normativity, and so on, that... The, the spaces and the organizations to bring people together around common as well as specific class interests don't exist. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. partly that mythology can only be built through the process of that happening. But it's back, it's back and forth. It's like you can't just wait like some of the Orthodox Trotskyists do, sort of waiting for objective developments to then change the culture. You have to also be struggling to change the culture to enable the changing yep. of objective development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I think that there's um, there's a moment right now, and this is a cultural argument as well as a political argument. Being able to understand how quickly history is changing, and the um, the possibilities that open up when history does change very quickly, all the potential timelines, if you will, if you want to be very sci-fi about it all the potential timelines to start to open up when history starts to shift rapidly. Um, it's something that because history has fairly, has been, I mean, what were we told 25 years ago? Hist over. History is over. And so I don't think, I don't think the left has intentionally adapted to that, but it was the cultural moments in which they were working for 25, 30 years, in which we've been working for 25, 30 years. Yeah. So it becomes very, very difficult to actually, um, to, not so much identify when things are changing, but what is the nature of that change? And how do you step into this gap that history itself has opened up for you? Um, we need to sort of reintroducing re re a creativity into how we approach activism, an artistic creativity even, because activism is an art, um, yeah. is really, um, it, it can be, it can be. I mean, it's not totally an art. You still need the science, you still need the strategy, you still need the really sober look at, at all of it. But, you know, th there's um, the British socialist Tony Cliff, I think, had a really great way to put it. Um, and Tony Cliff is someone who's, most of his work is, I find so-so, but he said something, a quip that I find really, um, instructive that politics is both a science and an art. Mm. When you drop a stone from the top of a building to see how long it takes to hit the ground to measure that out, that's the science. But when you have to pick up that stone and throw it at a cop and know when that's appropriate, 
that's the art. Uh-huh. So that, I think, actually is, is pretty instructive right now. We're, we are only just starting to kind of relearn, because of the cultural moment of the past 25 years, postmodernism, history being over, we have, we have to relearn how to look at history, and that actually necessitates a way of looking at art, and actually not just what Marxism has to teach us about art, but what art has to teach us about Marxism. That there's a kind of way that history moves that art can really teach us a lot about. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we're a publication of the popular avant-garde. Uh, because all these great Marxists, Walter Benjamin, Georg Lukács, um, so on and so forth. I mean, heck, Emery Douglas, uh, the great Black yeah. Panther artist, uh, these are all... Um, these are all great, you know, uh, in some ways exceptional Marxist cultural thinkers um, who understood that there's something, there's a way that art can help you grasp a moment that theory, though absolutely essential, can't quite, can't quite suss out. Yeah. And you need to have both if you're going to be able to present a, 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 a totalistic vision of a very different world. So... So, for listeners who are kind of new to a lot of this theory and stuff, how would you um, how would you define the the popular avant garde? I think that um, I think that the popular avant garde is. I mean, first you need to start out from the notion that from by admitting that um, the notion of avant garde brings with it a very elitist connotation, and that is understandable because when you think avant-garde artists you think people who are uh, artists who are snotty maybe maybe privileged in a very uh-huh. very material way um, who don't really who don't really give a damn about what working people are going through yeah. um, whose art is rarefied and very opaque and doesn't lend itself to interpretation very well at all because maybe there is no interpretive maybe there is no meaning maybe it's just them being self-indulgent that's I think the the idea that comes to a lot of people's heads when you think of the popular avant-garde but if you look throughout most of what the avant-garde was up until quote the end of history um and maybe a little before that um was the most avant-garde artists were very or at least a great many were very um, concerned with the state of the world and were experimenting with their art for the exact reason that they wanted to use the moving parts of art to also explode some of the moving parts of the world, at least ideologically. And at Uh the same time, what's the other end? Popular art, popular culture, which gets also a very bad rap, I think, among a lot of people who consider themselves aficionados of experimental art in the avant-garde, but what, what would it mean and what has it meant in the past for popular movements, popular concerns, the concerns of ordinary working people to be to be the driving force in artistic experimentation. That's how you get punk rock. Yeah. That's how you get hip-hop. That's how you get a lot of very important um, musical, literary, and artistic innovation over time. You know, the popular avant-garde isn't a kind of art in our estimation. It's more a way of looking at how artistic creation happens that hopefully in a long span 
seeks to re-inject creativity into the reproduction of everyday life. Okay. Which you need if you are going to have socialism. Yeah. Um, it's being able to look at, as the situation has put it in 68 back in France, being able to understand um, the beach beneath the paving stones. That ordinary people actually have a stake and the capability through their own creativity yeah. to radically reshape the world. Um, that, yeah, I think is, I mean... At the same yeah. time, we shouldn't be sanguine. Like, mm -hmm. the vast majority of quote-unquote avant-garde art and quote-unquote popular art is pretty bad. And it's pretty bad for a number yeah. of reasons. Mm -hmm. It's pretty bad because it is shaped by a political economy in both cases designed to maximize profits mm -hmm. or to flatter the bourgeoisie or an art market that caters to the, the rich and powerful. What happened, like, as Alex said, after the end of the idea that a collective alternative was possible to capitalism, after the fall of the Berlin Wall and the collapse of the Soviet Union, the idea that history had ended, was that it put the avant-garde sort of lost in space. The avant-garde is a product of capitalism. Um, as long as you have a, a changing culture over time, there's going to be a segment of it that is trying to figure out the next layer of cultural development. And that's basically what the avant-garde is. Now, that can be an elitist thing as it has been for the last couple of decades because it's been permeated with this theory of postmodernism, which is really bourgeois relativism repackaged with like big words and some valid insights as well. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than just pissing on it the way some Marxists did. Um, but over the last 20 years, you ended up with this weak avant-garde that's detached from the concern mm -hmm. for the vast majority of the human race. Uh -huh. um, and sort of carries out some of the gestures of the radical popular avant-garde of the past, but without their radical content. Mm -hmm. um, so we like, I call it like situationism without Soviets, okay. playing around with the signs of oppression, but without a sense that you can actually eliminate oppression or uh, you know, toying about with uh, uh, corporate logos, but no sense that you can actually abolish corporations, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, it, the adbusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, let alone a sense that the stories and, and concerns of actual working class people should be put forward mm -hmm. yeah. as central in, 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 in artwork. And I think that part of what we're trying to do is reestablish that as part of the struggle right now to reimagine an alternative to capitalism mm -hmm. because we're so close to the possible end of everything. Yeah. And so the utopian and the apocalyptic exist sort of as two poles and what a popular avant-garde would be today, and the best cultural products seem to reflect that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that it's important to also understand that. Um, uh, well, just to re-emphasize something that I was saying earlier, the popular avant-garde is not a narrow conception. Right. I think I think it has to be pretty ecumenical, um, yeah. but that doesn't mean it dumbs itself down. And so I think there's actually an overlap of the popular avant-garde with uh, a great many other. Um, theories about art and culture that have been part of the radical tradition. Mm. Um, I'm thinking uh, right now of, uh, well, right now I'm <clears throat> slowly working my way through a recently released uh, collection uh, from Verso Books that is uh, um, from basically a collection of essays by the, the Marxist humanist Marshall Berman, uh, who passed away about six years ago, I think, not long after Occupy came about, uh -huh. um, and his notion of modernism in the streets that the remaking of the world is something that is collective and popular. Yeah. Um, I also think of another more recently to pass, uh, more recently departed Marxist, Mark Fisher, who spoke about uh, popular modernism. And uh -huh. another, another one of the articles that is going to be appearing in issue three uh, is 
uh, Anindya Bhattacharya, uh, or Bat, as uh, those of us who know him call him, uh, writing about uh, the last work of Mark Fisher before he uh, tragically took his own life uh, right. this past uh, this past January. Um, there's a whole tradition, a whole series. I mean, if you look at the Communist Party, uh, the, some of the some of the art that the Communist Party engaged in, particularly when jazz was starting to uh, was starting to take a giant leap forward from from big band into bebop. Yeah. Uh, back in the 1930s, informed by again by the struggle against against lynching and the struggle uh, worker struggles in the United States, the Gorilla Girls, I think, is very much a popular avant-garde. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a manifestation of the popular avant-garde, being able to actually take the struggle for women's liberation in a domestic, intimate, and also uh, economic sense into the actual art gallery, yeah. and pointing out how incredibly male-centric, how incredibly uh, misogynistic in some ways uh-huh. um, the art world can be. Uh, so th- th- this is a tradition that already exists. It's not something that uh, Red Wedge is looking to just invent out of thin air it's yeah. something it, it's a real legacy it's a real tradition it's a real heritage that has always been part of the left when it has actually been at its most effective because it understands and acknowledges the role that art plays and how people situate themselves in the world yeah awesome yeah so. we're doing on time yeah what, how long have we been talking for? uh 29 minutes 29 minutes. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So, so you got a good half hour there of of a filler as I ramble on. And oh, it's not filler at all, is it? Well, you know, you're not supposed to call it filler while it's still recording. Well, I think we'll let the uh, I, I think we'll let the listeners determine that. Compared, uh, compared who the hell the, is this billet guy, and why the hell does he think he have these? Compared to the intro, to, I mean, you heard the intro, so this is a yeah. big I haven't heard step the up. Intro. Yeah. How did the intro go? It was a lot of me um, not knowing what to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's how I spend most of my days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you it's know, interesting, I, too. So, it, I mean, your introductory podcast was interesting. Well, it was certainly you. entertaining, in my opinion. Yeah, I love, the, yeah. I love the name. Yeah. Don't yeah. pizza party? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. I still think you should make a theme song that uh, uses uh, Black Flag's TV party. Yeah. Would you like more coffee? Yes, please. Thank you. More coffee. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thank you. We're going to have cool. a dumpster pizza party tonight. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. You guys know we have a show on the second. Oh, really? Oh, who's who's playing? Thumpy Sticky's playing. Thumpy Sticky's playing here at Milk Toast. Okay, cool. Excellent. On June 2nd. June 2nd? Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. See, Craig, this now means you actually have to get the podcast out before June 2nd so that it can promote the show. So, so chop, chop, buddy. Chop, chop. (laughs) (laughs) Edit it all together. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, yes. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. Milk Toast has very good coffee also. Yeah. yeah. It's Great food. Yeah. Yeah. Mississippi yeah. mud. Yeah, Mississippi really mud. Yeah. Mississippi mud. You heard it here first. Uh, was it thump, Thumpy Sticky? Thumpy Sticky? Yeah. Thumpy Sticky, June 2nd at Milk Toast. At Don't miss Milk it. Toast. Excellent. Cool. Here in St. Louis. Do you, do you guys know anything about that band? I have no clue. No idea. We no. could be advertising like our enemies. We could be. I don't think but so. But I don't. Th- I don't think milk. Toast I'll look at. Would, I'll uh, look at. I'll yeah. do some. I'll do some editing if it. If I. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the people who run milk toast are awesome. But like you know, there is that whole subset of like uh, white supremacists have that milk fetish now. Really, that's a white thing? supremacists have a milk fetish. Yeah, they like have like. Is this they, like they, a mommy they, thing? They or post is it, like videos yeah. of themselves drinking like whole milk and shit. Oh, because it's like because it's a white liquid. Yeah, but also because um, 
lactose intolerance is more prevalent amongst non-European peoples. Uh, oh, God, so that's like, so terrible. It's, so it's like this, like, uh, it's, you know... That's it's so it's, gross. It's milk up. is gross, and white supremacists are gross. So the yeah, I don't, I don't drink like, uh, uh, yeah, cashew milk for me all the way. Yeah, that's the only reason I haven't been here before is because it, the name Milk was in the title. And yeah, Milk is gross. <laughs> like, well, it's spelled different, too. It's, it's, it's a- M-I-L-Q-U-E. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah, that. Yeah, milk. but like still, you know, it's some milk. But like, it's very good food. Excellent. I had a yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- excellent food. But like coffee. Yeah. But yeah, no, Milk is... So everyone, will, we will look up Thumpy Sticky and... Sticky They're probably sticky, totally sticky. awesome, yeah, great right, people. Yeah. You know, I just thought you know, I just throw out like rabbit. We don't have no clue. We have no clue whether yeah, they're like, any good. Luckily, or luckily this isn't politics. a live podcast. I can go and edit it. Yeah, and yeah just yeah, cut exactly. out this whole. Are there segment. a lot of live podcasts? Are there are some. Yeah, some. there's uh, yeah, there's yeah, um. Yeah. Because uh, so, there's like there's like radio websites now mm-hmm. yeah. that they'll they'll post on right, a podcatcher, right, right, right. but it'll it'll be like recorded live. Or actually, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, comic book club. And it's like a comic book talk show that's like live, like filmed mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. People's Improv oh. Theater in New York. And so they have guests and everything, and they have like people in the audience who ask mm-hmm, questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's like recorded, like live there, and then later uploaded as a podcast. Yeah, that's right on. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, I am actually really excited that you're doing Dumpster Pizza Party because having someone attached to Red Wedge doing a podcast is really. Well, there's this kind of explosion in podcasts yeah. over the past few few years, really, and to have us finally step up and be <laughs> affiliated at least tangentially with one is yeah. Uh, we can post really it on exciting. Red Wedge and like because we're gonna because oh, yeah. we're going quarterly, up, yeah. we're gonna have like less. We're still gonna post stuff online, but we're gonna have like less instant in online content. Yeah, so exactly, having things that exactly. are like conducive to the internet in particular. Yeah, you know, makes you know, would be great to like make it a clearinghouse of that stuff. Mm-hmm, All, mm-hmm. I mean, also we're gonna post the stuff that are in the print issue after the print issue comes out over. Yeah, the yeah, over over, yeah, 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 yeah. But we need you. But we need you to subscribe because yes, yes, we've yes. been subsidizing this, and we're not rich people. Yeah, no, That's we're, we're, we're working class, we're working class yeah. slash lumpen it, artist types. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me too how the um, uh, sorry I'm smoking. I apologize. Um, (laughs) It it kind of seems like because of how good the website and stuff looks, like Mm -hmm. people don't realize that it's like you know a a handful of yeah yeah, a handful of working class people volunteering their labor to like put this thing together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is, I mean, it's a labor of love, but all labors of love are still labor and, and um, frequently into divorce so you've got to save our marriage thanks for that yeah thanks for that adam i wasn't referring <laughs> to like anybody's specific biography <laughs> my lord i know yeah, he would have known if you hadn't said anything um yeah oh god no but um uh anyway but yeah i i think i think you you both are right we we need people to support and uh, subscribe to this uh, publication. If we're going to step up and be as serious as we want to, then you know we just Sorry, launched a. Uh, we've, <laughs> no, you're cool. We've just launched. A, a, well, not just launched. Uh, it was a few months ago we launched a Patreon campaign, mm-hmm. but now we're starting to actually start to promote it a lot more, and uh, we're making a video for it that's going to be promoting it pretty soon, as well as promoting issue three. The, so just uh, the link to that is Patreon.com/slash Red Wedge Magazine. Red Wedge Magazine, yes, okay. yeah, or Fund Red Wedge. Hold on, let me look this up uh, on my iPhone. I should have. Known While he's this looking before. it up, if yep. you're in the St. Louis area, we're going to have a launch for Red Wedge number three on June 15th, January, January, July, July. January. All the J, all the J months, man. They, I've, they, I've been they, doing man, that they too. Took me been, up. They took yeah. me off. Yeah. So July fifteenth, the day after Bastille Day, launching Red Wedge number three at the Dollar Art House, 
which you can find on Facebook or at dollararthouse.com. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, so you should come by, get your copy. You know, if you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe. We're gonna we're gonna try to organize music, poetry. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a preview of some of my art, but that's mm-hmm, not the main mm-hmm. reason you should come. Although it's a good reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chicagoans. We're gonna try to do something probably smaller uh, out there, maybe yeah. a couple weeks or a few weeks afterwards. Mm-hmm. Smaller but still fun. There'll be beer. There'll be uh, you know music at least playing in the background off of someone's stereo. Some some Lacroix, yeah. maybe some ginger. Some beer. Lacroix, some yeah. ginger beer. Yes, yes. Yeah, some, there'll be yeah. some uh, you know cheap beer and some, some wine, uh, cheap wine. Yes, some exactly. wine coolers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boombox, <laughs> some mixtapes. Yep, but yep. I'll uh, yeah. And yes, the Patreon link is Patreon.com/slash Red Wedge Magazine, uh, and we offer rewards if you subscribe for two dollars a month. If you if you give us two dollars a month, then you get a digital subscription. Five dollars a month and over, you get an actual sub- a subscription to the print, the new quarterly print issue. Um, nice. And over, you know, with ten, fifteen, twenty dollars, you get extra awards too: posters, uh, pamphlets that we produce, also, so on and so forth. If you're a writer or an artist or a filmmaker or Musician, a poet yeah, or yeah. you know whatever, performance uh, artist, performance artist, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. vagabonds. Uh, stunt person. Stunt person. Mm-hmm. We accept submissions, and Red, we want Red Wedge to be a, a node of people discussing, debating, and producing things that would make up a new popular avant-garde. Yeah. And our fourth issue is going to be oriented around the 100th anniversary of the Russian Revolution, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. it's not just going to be historicizing stuff about the Russian Revolution. We're going to have, uh, there's going to be a review of the Traverso book, um, the uh, What's the title? Left Wing Melancholia yeah, right, right. that the, the, the two of us are, are working on together, actually. And yeah, we'll have yeah. a review of the catalog from the uh, Russian uh, Revolutionary Art Exhibit from the Royal Academy mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, by Paul mm-hmm, Mullen and a bunch yeah. of other stuff. Jordy, so, Jordy Cummings, mm-hmm. uh, another uh, editor at Red Wedge, is going to be writing a review of Owen Hatherley's book, The Chaplain Machine, which mm-hmm. is very important, I think, because it, it helps flesh out a historical moment in the popular avant-garde where all these Russian avant-garde artists who were inspired by what happened in Russia, uh, took part in what happened in Russia in the first, you know, workers' revolution, really, um, by, of all people, Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. So it's a very, very uh, important moment in sort of totally. sort of bringing together the popular and the avant-garde. So. And we also might have a, uh essay or something on... Uh, from another author on uh, the uh, Marxist analysis of the art critic and art theorist Boris Groys, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who was uh, the sort of the key fig- theoretician of underground Moscow conceptual art mm-hmm, before the mm-hmm, collapse of the mm-hmm. Soviet Union, yeah. and who's actually written a number of things. He came up with the idea of a weak avant-garde, for example, mm-hmm. uh, but comes at it from a more existential Nietzschean or Heidegger-oriented yeah. point of view. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, yeah. he's got a uh, Marxist, you know critique of him particularly for you know using Adorno and it, that should be fascinating as well and we want to in particularly <clears throat> uh, because we don't just want to talk about this all from a historical perspective we want to show what this history what this aesthetic and artistic history means a hundred years later yeah we really want to encourage people who are engaged mm-hmm. artists musicians poets who are engaged in current struggles mm-hmm. to think through okay what does this mean to me today a hundred years later yeah and uh, think of something to submit to us too in particular because we because we take our feminism seriously because we take our anti-racism seriously and our uh, 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 our, our struggle against oppression seriously if you're if you are someone who's a person of color, queer, uh, gender non-conforming, a woman, we absolutely want you to to uh, mm-hmm. you know we, we don't just want this to be a, 
um, as many other uh, Marxist journals have been in the past, uh, just another bunch of uh, white stodgy dudes talking about art. I'm not yeah. stodgy. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but we all, we have solicited for the next issue art from Sharon Rastin, who's an mm -hmm. Iranian American artist, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. who's been doing a number of uh, series on the uh, refugee crisis. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Art from John Cornell, uh, David Mab, who David I'm Mab. particularly yeah, very yeah so. yeah yeah very excited about a British artist who's sort of combining the old textile art of William Morris and combining it with the constructivism and suprematism that came out of the Russian Revolution. El Lizitsky. So, yeah, El Lizitsky yeah. and people like that. Um, so, Alibay. yeah, <clears throat> we have, uh, there's a lot happening with Red Wedge that we're really, really excited about. Uh, and we think actually other people are going to be uh, be excited about too. We're hoping to present uh, at conferences more and more coming up over the next uh, year. We're hoping to be in more bookstores, to be uh, in more struggles. Yeah. Uh, we want to be uh, where there is the potential for people to reimagine the world. We want to be the wing, wind beneath your wings. <laughs> or wind? What? <laughs> your wing, but the, the wing beneath the wind. the wind. The wing beneath the wing. Wing. Like the, the flying machine that Alexander Rodchenko made. Ooh. Or was that? No, that was Tatlin made that. No, it's Tatlin, yeah. yeah. Tatlin made that flying machine that wasn't really a flying machine. When we like, post this on Red Wedge, we should make sure that that's like sort of the image that, that we go with, the flying machine that Tatlin made. Sure. That's what we want to be. We want to be the constructivist wind. Underneath your wings. The wings of the movement. The greatest I love of stop all talking is the love inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was a was a great podcast. Yeah, uh, I'd like good. to have Adam. I'd like to have you on sometime to talk about like your art mm -hmm. in a different. Sure, yeah. I'm going to interview some other people before. And you should, I just you can interview Alex sometime about his no. Writing. I want to. That's what I was going to say next is like yeah. writing poetry. Um, if I ever start to take my poetry and uh, uh, fiction seriously, or did you start to... writing a short story yesterday? About, I did like, a horror story. About, yeah, the like... horror story about a, an odd man who stares at people on on uh, Greyhound buses. Sorry, Greyhound. Sounds like everyday life. That's yeah, the. Uh, yeah. That's a really interesting thing that I. But it sounds good. One thing that I really enjoy about uh, being an editor and designer on uh, Red Wedge Two is the the fact that like how how creative our editorial board like mm -hmm. it's not just people talking about art or like actual artists mm -hmm. on it mm -hmm. and. Mm -hmm. uh, Stella's poetry is amazing. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Crystal Stella Becerril, one mm -hmm. of our one of our, our fellow editors, mm -hmm. is uh, just so, for the people who might not know, listening to this, she's a phenomenal poet, and everyone should follow her on Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, good dot bait is her Instagram. B a um, yeah, b a i t. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's uh, she's also working on a um, Chicana Marxist zine with uh, one of her collaborators right now uh, that uh, we're hopefully going to be telling more about. You should have her on the show. Also yeah, to talk absolutely, about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Her and her collaborator. Uh, so yeah, yeah. There's yeah. I mean, I really like the fact that all of us are actual, not just people who write about what's created, but attempt to create and recreate. I yeah, think that's something that's really wonderful. So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys want to say anything else before we sign off? redwedgemagazine.com patreon.com slash redwedgemagazine follow us on twitter follow us on facebook is, uh, the, is the instagram and is it at redwedgemag yeah is it, okay. at red.wedge.mag so okay. follow us on all that yeah so. and uh, uh, Adam you want to plug uh, your website or <clears throat> oh sure some free, free promotion yeah sure mm -hmm. uh, dot my website dot slash 
uh, my website is uh, evictedart.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another website, but don't go to that one. So go to evictedart.com. That's my main website. Yeah. Also, check out the Dollar Art House website. I mentioned the URL earlier. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. DollarArthouse.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and uh, also go to Red Wedge Shop. Uh, oh, yeah. Red Wedge Shop. Yeah. Red Wedge Shop. Yeah. Yeah. Buy Smart. Uh, where we have all sorts of popular avant garde. Help us pay our damn bills. Yeah, yes, and, and, yes. and for those of you who have ordered T-shirts, we are fucking mailing those. I swear. <laughs> we are mailing them. Uh, did I should I did I swear? Did I mess no, you are, you guys have already sweared, so I'm just gonna oh, mark okay. this one yeah. as explicit. explicit. So yeah, explicit God. lyrics. It's really funny because the last one I didn't cuss and I didn't like think to mark it either, and so like it shows up like clean lyrics, and it's like that's not gonna last long. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not with this crew. <laughs> no. Fuck no. And Tipper so. Gore is rolling in her grave. She's still alive, isn't no, she? No, it's Phyllis Schlafly who died, thank God. Yeah, well, yeah. especially here yeah. in St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, what's up? No, no, no it's quite okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you want any more coffee? Uh, I, I think I, I'll, I think I'm going to vibrate through the roof if I have any. I think I'm so good, good, thank you. Cool. All right. And, uh, so uh, thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Dot com. Um, on iTunes or follow me on SoundCloud uh, at... I, I don't actually know. Just look up on just look up Dumpster Pizza Party on SoundCloud because mm-hmm. I I don't know what the name of that SoundCloud is. Yeah, just Google it, man. Yeah, just Google it. No, but uh, but, uh, but follow, follow me on Instagram um, at Dumpster Pizza Press, Facebook at Dumpster Pizza Press, Tumblr Dumpster Pizza Press um, and Patreon Patreon.com slash Dumpster Pizza Press. And uh, thank you for listening. If you want to support the podcast, donate to my Patreon or just Venmo me some cash. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll spend it on groceries. Uh, thank you for listening and tune in next time. All right. Goodbye. Bye. I, gotta I think it turned out great. Actually. I got to type yeah, in my password. Yeah, yeah, that's that was pretty fun. good. Yeah. One, two, one, two, three, four.